0: All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Episode 241 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill Admin on the KISS FAQ Message Board. And today I'm joined by Lonnie St. Louis KISS. What's up? And Marcus Almighty, Mark. Greetings, everyone. Let's just uh, go through a little bit of news and updates. Uh, And, Mark, it's all about you. What's going on in Project Gemini land? Because you've been popping out your own YouTube videos like crazy lately. You've had... had what is it, three, I think, in the last week. And uh, things seem to really be happening. So I know we've got a lot of people who do listen to the show who are interested. And if you're not interested, just hit fast forward to about three minutes from now.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the first thing that I think should be brought up is that I finally got the vinyl copies of the record in. Uh, And I don't know if anybody on here who hasn't maybe seen the update video, but just really quickly to show you the... Green vinyl came. Looks nice. I love it. It's awesome. I played it. It sounds fantastic. Not a single pop or anything going on in there. I was very pleased that those guys did a great job again making it for me. Um, again, if you ordered in the first 50 albums, because it's only a 100 run, uh, you get the poster and you get uh, you know, all those other kind of fun things with it. Um, also, um, I had an update for another thing that I did, which is that I started something called the Mark Anthony K. Archive Series, where I'm going back through some of my old uh, band stuff and releases that I've done that maybe people might be interested now in picking up and hearing about. So I have uh, my first record that I did with my band back in 1999. 20 years ago, this record came out. I did uh, Reckon with One, Shock to the System. And uh, I also was mentioning this cassette that I did, which was done four four years before that in 1995. Uh, These are kind of like together in the sense that the band that was on the cassette kind of blew apart. And two of us from the cassette went on to make this band. And then I was in this band for like 15 years after that. Um, And so, yeah, there's been people who've been interested in hearing this stuff. So I'm making it available now. So if you watch the video, they'll, Yeah, update video. It has all the information on, you know, how to pick it up and the cost and stuff like that. It's not very much. It's like eight bucks for the CD and five bucks for the tape, or if you get both, it's ten bucks for both together.
0: So and and that's Canadian money. So that's like, you know, divide by ten and it's thirty cents. Yeah, (laughs) it's not not a lot lot at all. all. You know, not yeah. a really good value. Uh, we'll be getting, I think, joined by Ken shortly. He's, uh, j- we've all been hit by Skype updates today, and anyone who does podcasting knows that's really cool. Mark, I thought the green looked fantastic. Very happy with how that turned out. I'm happier with how yours turned out versus Kiss World because I got my European one in um, the Dutch um, mm-hmm. pressing, and it's kind of flaccid yellow it's got more of a i guess more red in it than the the u.s one but i thought the u.s yellow vinyl was like a deeper yellow i thought it looked really cool almost tending towards orange so colored vinyls tricky i'm glad the green matched up with uh i guess that's what everyone voted on isn't it that they wanted yeah they wanted green so and not and not,
1: and not only that but i also made sure that i went through it with the guys like two or three times they showed me an example i was like no too light no too dark and i mean you have to be on top of that otherwise if you just let them do it themselves then who knows what you'll get right
0: yeah, and they had to order that specially, didn't they? It wasn't the uh, final yeah. pellets yeah. that they had in stock. So Yeah. yeah. Well, that's excellent, um, and I grabbed one of those CDs today because uh, I was going through your discography, and i have been looking for that on eBay, waiting for one to pop up, so i rather, <laughs> rather, rather get it from the man himself. All right, what other news? Oh, I did get mail today, and this is Kiss-related, not Kiss-specific, and I got my reprint of Ken Sharp's Absolutely Incredible Uh, I think it's 1995 or 1998 that this came out, uh, The Story of Cheap Trick. And he's just done Uh a limited reprinting and hardbound. And I'm cheap, so I got paperback. Um, And I've been looking for this for years as Ken Mills last year, I think it was, made me start buying Cheap Trick albums and going through their discography since I had none of their stuff. And... uh, (laughs) Uncle Ken, a journey of musical discovery of cheap trick, I thoroughly enjoyed. So, looking forward to reading this book. All right, what else? Um, Just a a response to one of a Twitter inquiry of me was, uh, What books am I planning next? None. I have zero plans for anything at the moment. I have a couple, as I said in the reply, the tweet, um, I have a couple of seeds planted and they may or may not germinate. Um, who knows? I don't actually plan on doing any more big KISS projects. It's just my end of the road has, has has happened. I'll do a couple of little things here and there, especially with keeping up with the tour history. And if you're coming to the Indianapolis KISS Expo next month, I will have a very limited edition Ooh. of uh, <clears throat> KISS End of the Road tour leg one and it's just all the US dates to date uh, which concludes I think uh, the last dates on Sunday of this leg and then they go to Mexico for the domination festival and then onward to to Europe so I think I'll do probably a hundred copies of that come and see me at the expo Um, I'm not gonna be bringing too many other books because you know they just don't move enough these days so Uh, it'll be on to people and this will be the first question of uh, for the panel today there are other books coming out. There are quite a few books that are being worked on that I can't talk about, but there's two that are just about ready to be unleashed on the public. First of them is Nick Buckland's Hottest Brand in the Land. Um, he, he, You can, of course, see on some episodes of Kiss My Collectibles with our good friends Jason and Andrew. Um, and he's been working on that coffee table book for a long time. And I believe it's now 390 pages. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I don't think he's announced a ship date on that. But again, it covers collectibles and classic era, I believe, all coin collectibles. And we'll have to get him on um, when he's published that and orders are available to talk about that project. But also, Ross Riley's Magic is expected in June. Uh, he doesn't know early or late June, but hopefully. Um, Hold on. i got Ken here. It's at Ken. All right. Hey, Ken, good to see you. Glad you could join us, of course. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Uh, that's perfectly all right. We are not on a, any schedule here. But I'm, what we've been talking about is which book are we looking forward to more, and I've just given a little bit of an overview of Nick Buckland's Hottest Brand in the Land, uh, which is Do Any Moments, and Ross Raleigh's Magic, which is expected highly anticipated and expected in June and according to what Ross had mentioned online when asked about this um, he's thinking it's probably towards the end of June but he doesn't know nothing is uh, apparently final at this point so Ken since you were here last I'm going to go to you first Um, you know which one of these books are you looking forward to both neither one or the other
2: yeah well I am looking forward to Uh, Both of them. But uh, Lonnie just walked off. I think he's annoyed that I joined the caller or something. So (laughs) he (laughs) took off. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, Magic, that one I'm really excited about. Uh, That one I put the order in right away. Uh, I think even the first day. Um, I remember even the first go-round I, you know, pledged to, uh, help that project, you know, the first try, uh, that R- Ross tried to get that going. Uh, but that one, I mean, is a real chronological type thing. And I think it's gonna be very thorough and, uh, a lot of, you know, photos that we haven't seen. So minutia and minutia. Uh, I'm looking forward to all that, you know, the different costumes, minor changes, all kinds of things. So, uh, I, I you know i'm gonna get both books but that that one is the one i'm really more excited about the other one is you know the about the collectibles uh the original collectibles and, and so on um which is more to me like a you know coffee or t- whatever you want you know well he, he, he
0: calls it a coffee table book so i think that's oh so there that's it is a, yeah that's And i
2: think it's it's good it's good to you know come in and flip through and See what, you know, oh, yeah, I have that one. I have these things, and I'm like, oh, I never got that. You know, these, these other items, and it's just kind of probably good to see those in uh, all their high-definition color uh, <laughs> that they're going to put them in. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to both.
0: Mark, how about you?
1: Well, I mean, I, I find both books highly interesting. Um, me, I'm, like Ken, I, I'm kind of more interested in the uh, Ross Radley book because I'm, you know, more into the minutiae stuff about the costumes and, you know, the guitars and all these other things. He, he said that he's gone into great detail with many, many aspects of the band, like even studio pictures and all kinds of stuff um, from that time period. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I think Nicholas's book is really cool. I mean, I'm a regular watcher also the Kiss my collectibles. So I always see whenever he has those updates where he talks about a new piece that he's acquired for the book or something that's going to be in the book. And I always find those fascinating, but as you guys know, I'm not really a big collector of, you know, the dolls or any of those other things like pajamas or blankets or anything like that. I just usually collect just vinyl and uh, the dolls that I do have were given more to me as presents from family. So I don't really go out and seek them, but uh, I, if I, if I have a chance to get the, the book at some time, I will probably pick it up. But, um, they are probably, you know, pretty hefty uh, books to get. So shipping them to Canada will be probably pretty pricey. But um, I am definitely gonna, you know, go for the Ross Radley book for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I want to see what Ross has done. Having, you know, we've known about this project for so long. I want to see it finally in reality, and mm-hmm. I, and I want to see people complain about I've seen that photo before so that Ross can say no you haven't it's from the same photo shoot but look at so-and-so's hands lifted up you know that sort of stuff right. you, know, you know because yeah. you know people are just lining up to pick apart um, his book because it's been such a long and arduous process and such an ongoing thing for so many years. So I'm looking forward to that. I couldn't give two shits about collectibles and all-coin era stuff. That's just never been my niche. I've never had any interest in it whatsoever. But I can't wait to get the book because you know what? I want to look at it. I want to look at this yeah. stuff and you know kind of see again. I have no idea how his layout tells the story or whether it's just page after page of just this, this, this. If it's sequential, um, how how it's organized. Um, I, I just want to look at the merch that's never going to be in my collection, but I'll have it in a book on not on the coffee table because I don't kind of leave kiss books out but so i can just go back and look at it and when someone actually talks about it if i don't know what they're talking about i've got a reference book hopefully that's got that sort of information in it so you know from either of them with kiss alive forever we've seen a lot of the tour dates and also my own books obviously so i I don't know how much of that's going to be of interest in ross's unless he's come up with something new about that information that adds to kiss alive forever adds to what i've done um but I think the day planner type stuff is what I really look forward to in in Ross's. That someone's going back and hopefully organizing a lot of the stuff that sits in the eight or nine thousand pages of memos that I've got in my collection, um, <laughs> and, and presents it in something that makes sense. So, you know, both are uh, to me equally. Um, interesting. Ross, I know a bit better than Nick, so he gets the edge just because, you know, we've had him on the show a couple of times, and I've spoken to him quite a few times on the phone. So, I I think any project's going to be valuable for KISS fans in some way or the other. Again, like me, if you're not interested in the the stuff, just look at the pictures. Nothing wrong with that. Alright, while we wait for Lonnie to return, um, Let's just dig into it. Co- we're going to do so, just do some topics from the board today, if anyone's wondering what our topic is. Uh, we're also going to talk about the new classic rock um, magazine that's just been published. Uh, but I, I want to wait until Lonnie gets back on that. I don't think he'll mind missing a few of these little micro topics. Um, so one of the other topics on the board that in the past week or so is poll number 26, Sonic Boom, favorite song. So without thinking over, thinking it or having ties, Ken, what would be the first song that pops to mind from Sonic Boom that you like?
2: <laughs> well, I put down. I, I think I answered it, but uh, this kind of, it was a hard one. I, I just went with Modern Day Delilah cause I just think that's a great song. Uh, it was a, you know, it was an obvious choice for a single, uh, even though, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, say yeah, it was, a, you know, turns out to be a, turned out to be, a, you know, a great, uh, song in, in and, and works in concert. Um, I just, I just like modern day Delilah better as a, as a, you know, a song and, and, and you know, the riff in it, uh, I enjoy that, you know, better than the, the other songs that are on the album. You know, also.
0: Cool. Lonnie, we're doing favorite song from Sonic Boom. What's yours? Um, Yes, I Know It's my favorite song
3: off of there.
2: Hmm.
3: Without a doubt. It may be, it, I think it's the best song that they've done since Revenge. And it may be the best song they've done, period, since wow. Revenge. I think Guess I Know is wow. amazing. And I think it's a shame that it was never even tried in concert. It has a very seventies style feel to it. It sounds like it could have been on rock and roll motory then. Um so I think I think it's a, I it's my favorite I mean, you asked me that, I mean, without hesitation, without a doubt, that's my favorite song on that album. <laughs> Why is everyone laughing? There were you guys bad mouthing that while I was
0: on the phone with my boss or what? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean that, that's a, alleged to have been a asylum outtake, but I think Gene yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Gene has says that he wrote it in the late seventies. Um and it wasn't on the vault, and that's bummed me out when yeah. we when did get the vault, that mm-hmm. that was one of the songs that was MIA. I really wanted some high-quality, well, to some are already rolling on the floor <laughs> laughing, high-quality <laughs> asylum demos. Better okay. quality. Yeah, mock me mercilessly. Um, <laughs> but that's what I was hoping for, a big multi-track of that one would have been very cool. That's a great pick. Um, I went for All for the Glory.
2: Mm hmm. That's Eric, a good song too.
0: Just because I didn't want to go and say yeah, um, just kind of <laughs> kind of tired of that. Um, I I like that of the two songs, you know, Tommy and Eric were given to kind of do their own thing. I just like the opportunity for Eric to sing on an album again. So, um, it it still has a different kind of vibe to it. Um, Mark, finishes up on this topic. What's your favorite? Well, it, the interesting thing is that, um. For
1: once i'm right on the same page with lonnie I, ah. I love yes i know as well ever since the very first time i heard that song I, I was very shocked i was like wow this is probably one of the best gene songs i've heard in a long long time and i and, I, and every time i like i put this album on and i hear it i was like this is always the one that i think is the top song on here no no matter what i mean i like it better than modern day delilah i like it better than say yeah I think it's much more catchier. To me, the biggest shame of it is that they don't play it live. I mean, it's such a great song. Why don't they do it? I, I think it's it's a standout song.
3: I, I was really surprised when they when they did the hottest show on Earth in the summer of 2010, and they incorporated a Gene song into the setlist finally, from Sonic Boom, and they chose I'm an Animal, yeah. which just seemed right. to just plunge along. Right. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, is this over yet? The whole time they played it. So... I, I was surprised that they went with that over Yes, I Know, because I think Yes, I Know is the best
0: song on the album. Oh, yeah. It's I'm su- I'm a more up-tempo Gene song. I mean, come
2: yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you guys chose the, the Gene song since, you know, I, and I didn't, because I'm the Gene guy here. And right. And you guys are more, you know, the Paul or uh, Ace or whatever. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, I like that song, uh, but I think he's, Written a lot better songs than that. That's just, you know, my opinion on it. Fair enough. It's a good song. Still, it is a good song. It's a good song. I think. He's done a lot better.
0: I think it's an underrated album. All right. I think so. I it is. Yeah. I agree. So before Lonnie takes another phone call, why don't, why don't we talk a, a <laughs> little bit? I runs <laughs> yeah, you, you got my phone's right here too. You know, so I'm the one ignore who, most people except him. <laughs> I've been known to walk off in the middle of the shows so you'll get my EPS packages. But uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that the new Classic Rock magazine has come out and now is available to anyone who can actually find it, especially those who have Barnes & Noble. I'll be giving away this copy during this episode, so do stay tuned to find out how you can win it, though it is obviously opened um, and used. But you'll get the poster, the sticker, and the uh, what was it the CD of non-Kiss songs included in it, um, everything that came in it. So you've had a chance, hopefully, to read the feature. It's not a full magazine on the band, which I'm kind of bummed about. I thought with mm-hmm. the, you know, the cover's just going to have to be good enough, and it's a shame that it's Destroyer on the cover <laughs> rather than a current yes. photo of the band. But uh Mark, you know, what was your, your main takeaways from the feature and what did you think of it overall?
1: Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um I didn't I did enjoy reading it. Um it was nice that they uh you know, they kind of touched on everybody a little bit. You know, like they talked with, you know, Eric and they talked with Tommy a lot in there as well, got his uh aspect on some stuff. And I and I like too that it wasn't just a whole you know, polishing their rear end kind of article. They kind of also brought up some stuff that you know might be some food for thought, like how they talked about the fact that even though Paul and Gene keep saying that their relationship is the best that it's ever been now and that they're best buddies and stuff like that, but yet they still travel in separate SUVs. They're never beside mm-hmm. each other in photos whenever they take stuff that 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 that, that, that when you see them. All the signs point that they have some kind of a strenuous relationship, but they swear that that that's not the case. So I like those kind of little things that they mention in these articles. It's not always just, you know, kiss is awesome and that's it, you know. They kind of give you some thoughts, things to think about, you know. So I really like the article for that. uh, And I thought the photos were really cool. I thought there were some fantastic photos that they used in there. I mean, I'm not a big expert on photos, so I don't know if some of these photos were, you know, used before or not, but... For me, I thought that they were very good. I, I I liked everything that was there. I thought the layout was really nice. And and like again, I was glad, though, that they talked with Tommy and with Eric, because usually now whenever you see a KISS interview, it's always Paul or Gene.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Lonnie, what were kind of your overview of uh, what you were able to digest from it?
3: No, I, I agree with Mark. I do like the fact that it included Tommy and Eric's perspective in there as well, and um, and a decent amount of time in Eric's perspective. At that, it was But to me, it was a lot of the same stick and the same. You know, oh, we have this many trucks on our tour, and <laughs> and you know, it's you know this and that. it's 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 the same type of recycled stuff at the same time too. Um, but there are some good pictures in there. I like the fact that there's even a picture of Eric Carr in there, which is which is nice to see yeah. because I don't think. Eric gets to do justice. He deserves it all. I mean, I I mentioned it when I I talked about the show that I went to that, you know, you hardly even see, you know, any kind of past footage and anything about Eric whatsoever. So I think it's nice that there's at least a picture of Eric Carr in in the article. I don't know. I didn't it didn't it didn't really just get me going a whole lot. It just it's just I don't know. Just a little bit of white noise to me that it's just it's the cover's really cool the cover's actually really cool i mean the destroyer cover is actually really cool and, um had me thinking of maybe the whole thing's about kiss but of course it was oh yeah yeah ken kelly who, who wants to see that cover it's just terrible yeah um <laughs> it's fine but it's 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 a lot of the same it's a lot of the same recycled material though really
1: yeah but but, but what i meant though was that that the, that the person who wrote it, I thought, brought up some interesting points. I mean, Gene sure. and Paul, they always bring up the same thing. You know, we had the biggest show. I don't care if you're Paul McCartney. If you have bombs, you thank us. You know, it's always that kind of stuff, right? But I meant that, they, that the the person who wrote the article, I thought, did a good job of bringing up some different things.
0: Well, the person who wrote the article is Jan mm-hmm. alum of Cream Magazine in the 70s, who did the seminal oh, yeah. feature, I was on stage with Kiss in my and yeah. informed bra. So mm-hmm. I thought that was absolutely insanely cool to kind of bring it back full circle to one of the the big... Uh, you know the super big first you know kind of press things that the band had she covered a lot of really kind of deep topics you know talking about naris in october 74 and how peter didn't even have a nameplate it was just the other three and Mm -hmm. using that as a metaphor you know for him (laughs) not getting kind of the respect that the other members of the band get Um, she talked drugs with gene which Mm -hmm. gene talking drugs about the hash brownie incidents um, oh, yeah. and you know, yeah, we've read about those before, but this wasn't saccharine, this wasn't watered down uh, you know, that it was kind of made into a joke in some ways, with, especially with his you know, now connections with the cannabis industry I thought that was kind of interesting to go there, but for me, I think the most melancholy part of this whole thing is number one, they had to put the original Kiss lineup on the cover for the end of the road Feature, you know, which is it's being it's promoting this right. band's visit to the yeah. UK, and you have to remember what it's promoting. I really think Tommy and Eric should have been on that cover, regardless of whether they've been on it before. But the current lineup should have been there, not Destroyer. I think that's really kind of lame. Um, as great as Destroyer is compared to anything that this current lineup has done, you just can't measure Sonic Boomer Monster against Destroyer. Sorry, Mark, just cannot. Um, but going back to my biggest takeaway from this is tommy and it really ends with finally i'm not the new guy and earlier on in the piece is um maybe they'll like me now which i i was just so saddened by his his awareness that there is a sector of the kiss army that have never accepted him you know Mm -hmm. less so than eric wearing the makeup and while i think he deals with it admirably i mean he's a better man than i would be in a similar situation if you know i had put up with nearly 20 years of the abuse that he's taken from a very fucking small um, mm-hmm. percentage of fans but they're magnified you know it's like all the the shit that goes on anywhere on twitter or instagram or you know the small mouths are you know magnified the most but for this to be about the end of the road that kind of knocked it off the track of being a celebration Um, so I, I thought that was incredibly sad that that still obviously rankles regardless of what he says because otherwise it wouldn't be in there Um, I thought it was fascinating the uh, kind of Paul Stanley's, how he comes across in there, you know, pick up the pedals. Uh, They're going to stain the (laughs) plane, and we've got it for a while, so let's keep it nice. You know, I I thought the analogies of, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're driving an 18-wheeler or a car, someone's got to be the driver because you're all going the same place. I love that sort of stuff because they didn't throw in the usual sort of we wear more makeup than your mommy shit. So. I thought it was was eye-opening, but nothing particularly new. But just, again, it comes back to Tommy for me. Ken, you know, what were your takeaways with
2: it? Yeah, uh, a little bit of everything, what what all of you guys said. I mean, yeah, there are some things that, yeah, it's been covered before, and I'm like, yeah, I I know that already, (laughs) or, you know, I've read it a million times. But there, yeah, there were some new perspectives um, uh, on some of the, topics that they you know went deeper into um like you said um you know the the brownie incident and so on and then yeah i agree tommy i mean he said you know they'll like me you know after it's over basically um and and i thought oh man you know he still doesn't feel you know liked or appreciated i guess Uh, but he's hoping that maybe they he will be after all, all is you know done um, the other thing is the thing that Eric Singer said uh, about saying when it's all over, he's he's not going to miss it, miss it, miss yeah. a thing, which is, I thought, well, that's interesting. I guess because he said it's it's just such hard, hard work uh, for him. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really surprised that he's he said that he's not going to miss anything. Um, so, it, interesting. The other thing about Tommy that's interesting is about – you know, Jean's uh, sits on the front of the plane, and Paul at the back, and yeah. Tommy's in the middle, and he's he's like the buffer. I think he's the buffer, been the buffer between them for many years.
3: He's, switch- so, yeah. he's Switzerland, they say in the article.
2: Yeah, they call yeah. him yeah. Yeah, Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, as a joke, they call him Switzerland. So, uh, yeah, I think, and he didn't want to go into that too deeply, but I I think there's a lot that he has to kind of you know, uh, keep them from you know killing each other. <laughs> I think in some <laughs> cases, you know, uh, he's that buffer, that mediator. Yeah, the mediator. So otherwise, yeah, it was a real good article. Yeah, great pictures. Um, so yeah, it it should be more maybe uh, articles like that in the future.
0: And that's where it all comes from you know
2: yeah the war it is the war paul is Stanley. over
0: we won which is that was Paul's a Paul's Stanley. Stanley. and it's the context of that that yeah. is also somewhat sad because it talks about gene and paul being at war with one another you know mm-hmm. fighting for the heart and soul of the band maybe or its direction or you know just fighting <laughs> as you know you know they like to call each other brothers but come on they're, they're not um they're <clears> just <throat> business partners in in some ways, but yeah. to think that kind of summing up the end of the road as being the war is over, we we won as in Kiss won, not the fans, Kiss won, yeah. but Gene and Paul won because, you know, they basically get all the money, they've got all the control, they've got everything. Uh, There'll always be a partnership together that Peter and Ace are not a part of anymore, that Tommy and Eric were never a part of in the sense that they're employees. And again, I'm not interested in their business relationship with the band whatsoever. Um, But if Tommy's Switzerland, what country is Eric? (sighs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Where <laughs> yes. where German, that's a good question I, 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 actually i have no idea
0: where, where they talk real fast <laughs> and they're, they're, they're <laughs> going to flip from one thing to another very rapidly I, you know eric was very cool in that I, I thought his outlook on this whole situation is something that's really worthy of a follow-up um just him on his own his attitude of you know he's not going to miss it um i'm like why how can you be sure? I mean, I know he's going to be 61 this year, next month, in fact. Um, And it can't get any easier doing what he does. You look at the, you know, how much older is he now than Peter was during the farewell tour? Peter was, what, 50? Mm -hmm. uh, Or 55? Um, So, he, Eric still has several years on what Peter was though obviously his he hasn't had the physical problems that um, yeah. Peter Chris has had Peter was battling problems with his arms you know muscular mm-hmm. you know deterioration and whatnot let alone any of the other things that people pull into all of these discussions you know so I can get how he won't miss it from you know having to stay skinny or stay in shape or just how much mm. of a grind it is on the road, but will he really not miss it? You know, being part of the, you know, a, a band, and this will be another topic that we talk about. You know, regardless of its success commercially, um, record sales wise, it's certainly a massive band in terms of its commercial success, licensing, and in terms of identity. Will mm. he he not miss that? I mean, oh, I I honestly think that the one thing that he does miss
1: is back you know think about it back when he was with alice cooper he didn't have to put on any of the makeup and uh, costumes and stuff like that like how he has to do as much with kiss right and i'm guessing that drumming with alice cooper in that sense was probably a little bit more i'm I'm not gonna i'm gonna be careful here and say maybe a bit more fun for him because you know what I mean? Like when you don't have to put on all that stuff or wear these kind of vests and stuff. He can put he pretty much wore whatever you wanted, I kinda of got the feeling when he was with Alice, you know? So um maybe that's what he's kinda of meaning. Maybe he means that he he's just kind of hoping to get back into a situation maybe where he can play something that just requires him to be in regular kind of clothing, doesn't have to wear makeup every night, you know doesn't have to go do all these meet and greets and stuff like who knows maybe he's just getting tired of some of those things maybe to him it's just become like a treadmill that it's just the same thing all the time right i mean people we we as fans complain about kiss in many ways like that too like the set list is always the same maybe he's getting tired of playing the same songs all the time you know who knows it could be so many things he didn't get into great detail about what he meant by that it would have been nice to have heard what he meant with that you know
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. one of the things that I mean. You just mentioned Alice Cooper, and I must say, and and this is a call out to you know people who don't listen to other podcasts. This latest episode of Three Sides of the Coin, uh, where Russ, um, on go and listen to it. Go to the 16 minute mark. Russ talks about Eric Singer on tour with Alice Cooper in August 1991. He specifies that it's uh, Philadelphia Spectrum, which would mean August the 11th. And Eric, you know, telling, bringing him backstage or communicating with him during that show and making Russ miss Judas Priest, who was opening, um, that he had become the drummer for Kiss in 1991. And he already knew he was the new drummer of Kiss in August of 1991, which I think is just insane. I know the timelines, you know, been debated and fluid or everything, but those, I mean, those are the sorts of gems that you get out of listening to these other shows yeah. and listening to to people talk about their personal experiences. I mean, go there, listen to it for yourself. It starts about 16 minutes. But I think with Eric and Alice Cooper, I I never saw him, so I would have thought that he operated under a very similar sort of restraint that he had to drum appropriately for the music that he was playing, which uh, you know in, included a lot of '70s stuff like he does in Kiss. But they had, yeah. you know, they had Hey Stupid, and it was Trash out by that point, or did that come out? I, I don't know the yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. So because yeah, he was in for Dragon Town and all that stuff, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so Ken.
2: Yeah, so that I mean, uh, I did listen to that, um, so I, and uh, it what strikes me is you know th- that happened a few months, right, or a couple, few months before uh, Eric Carr died, um, which is just like no wonder then Eric was freaking out um, about saying he's going to be out of kiss or he did know he was out of kiss, and. And uh, it seems Gene and Paul didn't want to wait around um, for him. Or maybe they knew the prognosis was so bleak, you know, yeah, bleak that uh, there wasn't a way he was going to come back. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like, uh, I, yeah, you know, it's t- it, tough to wonder what really what, what happened. Uh, it then.
1: makes me I, wonder, I though. About, about you know, when you hear stuff like that, it makes you wonder even further about what those guys have said in the past, you know, because it, if he already knew back then that he was going to be in the band, I mean, I don't think that they ever said anything about that long after, right? Mm-hmm. That he would that he became into the band. So I mean, I don't know. It's these kind of behind the scenes things are sometimes upsetting because you know you'd like to think that they would have stuck with Eric until the bitter end, but it almost seems like they were ready to give up on him before
0: it happened, you know? Yeah. So Lonnie, we'd moved into the three. It's sides kind of,
3: yeah. I think it's kind of sad and depressing that, that, you know, we've heard things about them being ready to move on from Eric before Eric had passed. And I, I think to hear that was, was eye opening and made you take a step back a little bit, you know, that as long as Eric had been in the band and as long as important of a role that Eric played throughout his throughout his time with the band that, um, that they were ready to move on from him that quickly. And, and you know, what you guys said, maybe the prognosis was that bad that, you know, if he does survive this, you know, the touring lifestyle of kiss is not going to be something that's going to benefit him moving forward. It's not something he's going to be able to do moving forward if he does survive this. Yeah. And, you know, you, you it, it, it may be cold, but you can also say, well, it's not personal, it's business too, that they have to look out for, for their own, their own business as well. I mean, I mean, you guys work, I mean, you guys know that if, if someone's not available to work or someone's not here because they're sick, well, you know, we, 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 can't just stop. We have to, we have to keep going just like, just like anything else. And you can say, well, it's a band. Well, it is. their livelihoods at the same time too. And at the time in 19, 19- you know in 91 they weren't exactly they didn't exactly have the bank rules that they do now (laughs) right you know what i mean so i mean they had they had to keep going so you can you can look at it from 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 both sides that that it was maybe that was cold that they said no eric's our new drummer even before eric passed but you can look at it as like you know what they have to they have to take care of themselves too so
0: yeah, I think that just with how the timeline works, you know, we're never going to know it all. I don't think no. any of us want to know it all, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to this dark period. But Eric had, his, I think, his hemorrhage, you know, which put him into hospital for the final time because until October, I believe it was. And again, I'm mm-hmm. fact-checking myself in the middle of this because we know he went to the MTV, MTV. Awards in September. Yeah. So he was still vertical. At this point, he'd done the video in July, I think, uh, that God Gave Rock and Roll to you too was filmed. So they saw him without wig and how emaciated, you know, how much muscle mass he'd lost from illness. And, you know, anyone who looks at that video, I mean, you can just tell he, he, he's he's fighting. But he, maybe it was too much for him to do to show up for a full day of filming just to prove that he was still in the band. Um and maybe it was, you know, it, it may sound harsh. And again, this is all conjecture, not fact. Uh, you know, maybe it's stop worrying about being in the band. You're not in the band anymore. Focus on getting better and living. Yeah. Um and then we just don't know what happens afterwards. But if Eric was really in the band at that point, we knew he'd come in before Alice Cooper went on tour to do all the drum tracks for the album. And then they bring Kevin yeah. in to fix the one that uh, you know hadn't worked out. So from from that perspective, he was already gone from the band for this album. So you know, I I, I think it's a very difficult thing, and mm-hmm. it's got to be very difficult for Eric Singer as well. Because he he's a yeah. he's a journeyman at this point he you know mm-hmm. he's working with Badlands hoping that it's gonna take off but he's in the studio with the Cult helping out on demos you know in the period he's gone out on tour with um, Paul Stanley uh, just a, as a as a gig while the rest of the Badlands finishes recording that album and then you know he's out of Badlands he's got an opportunity with Alice and you know all these other things he's just working working working. Mm-hmm. And to have someone die wouldn't have been easy for Gene and Paul, regardless of you know. I don't really care if they fired him because his, it was going to affect insurance. That unfortunately is harsh, but it is business, mm-hmm. as Lonnie said. Business is merciless. But you know that you know. I, I don't want to get bogged down into this. <laughs> it's it's just so depressing. Uh, you know, I've been listening yeah. to a lot of Eric. I'm working on One of those seeds. Been listening to a lot of Eric Carr interviews lately, and uh, I must say it's just a horrendous thing to try and even put pe- paper to pen after hearing him talk about things and fighting, you know, his battle you know, with mm-hmm. his health at this time. You know, Eric Singer did nothing wrong and no. even, even if he's not, even if he's in the band by then I just think yep. it's more interesting that this is a nugget that just came out in another podcast and three sides did a great job and Russ you know I've met him a few times as a very cool guy and had a lot of really good stories so get over you know for those people who don't listen to all of the shows this is one that's worth really listening to because there's a lot of good stuff in it as was the one the week before all right let's get back to our show um <laughs> <laughs> And another topic from the board is: Are you shocked that Peter Chris has become the voice of reason? Sorry, Ken, he's, he mm-hmm. he he might have taken your title there. Um, he looked good in the <laughs> photo. <all> he right. <laughs> was recently photographed at a cancer benefit, holding up a so obviously he just happened to have a copy of Alive with them, um, and he's holding it up and he looked fantastic. But he's also mm-hmm. not saying much at a time when Gene and Paul, mm-hmm. well, Gene sticks his foot in his mouth regularly. That's just what Gene does. Peter stays quiet. Are you surprised that Peter right now has says has said has said the least amount of stupid offensive annoying or idiotic things? Lonnie.
3: I think you know we've all read Peter's book and and Peter had a lot to say in his book um, criticizing Gene and Paul. And I think that I think Peter got it off his chest and it's kind of refreshing that at this stage Peter's just taken the high road and not said anything back or has not made statements like the gloves are coming off, things like that. Peter's just taken the high road and say, you know what? I'm not going to drag myself down and be a part and get in the mud. Um, I know who I am. I think Peter's very comfortable with who he is at this stage in his life. And is very happy with his life at this point. And why get myself mixed up in that you know, I'm I'm proud of what I've done with Kiss in the '70s. I'm proud of what I did when I came back in Kiss in in the late '90s and early 2000s. And you know, let let them let them have let them get in the mud. I'm gonna stay up here. And good for him.
0: Here, here, Mark.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I think that he's doing a smart thing actually because it kind of seems like he's one of these guys who is enjoying his retirement from music kind of thing, you know, like from performing end of it, you know, because it seems like he's enjoying going to these fundraisers and to these kind of convention things, you know, and meeting fans and taking pictures and stuff like that. It just seems like he's more happy with what he's done. He's probably happy with his, you know, day-to-day situation, probably, you know, he doesn't have to worry about this kind of crap going on, you know, going back and forth. He's staying out of it. You know, and I think that that's best for him. I mean, you know, no unnecessary stress. You know, I, I think he's doing a, I think he's doing a very smart thing, to be quite honest with you. I mean, why get mixed up in all this stuff? It's not going to benefit him in any way. You know, <clears throat> he's not he's not promoting any kind of a record or anything. So there's no need for him to get himself involved in those kinds of things. So I, I think that it's a good, I- good idea for him to kind of stay low and enjoy the fans, you know, coming up with him coming up to him with records and getting him to sign stuff. I think that he's kind of enjoying that kind of time now.
0: So Ken, from one voice of reason to another.
2: Yes. Well, he, uh, <laughs> said, I, I remember when we, we went down to the, you know, the LA X Ex- kiss expo, right. A couple of years ago. Um, I remember him talking before the actual, you know, meet and greet thing happened and he was on the stage and, a quick, quick interview. Um, and he was talking about, you know, how he was at peace with everything and it's not worth it to, you know, sweat all that small stuff. Mm -hmm. Basically he's at He, you know, it is what it is. It it all happened. It's in the past. And he was happy to, you know, move on from it all. Uh, so that's why I think he's still at that point and he does not want to, Get mixed up in the you know the arguments between Ace and and uh, Gene and Paul touring or or any of that stuff just just let it let it go and and uh, yeah, <laughs> just let it go basically so yeah he's he's uh, he's doing the right thing I think
0: yeah it's a little bit like The Godfather though you know just when I thought I was out they pull me back in with all these <laughs> negatives and the same old shit. You know, you got to remember this cat's the guy who used to shoot Christmas trees so while I prefer <laughs> him to be right. the voice of reason and to stay above it all and not lower himself to it, I could also see him shooting a Christmas tree verbally and just going, "What the fuck?" You know, I can't do a Peter Chris <laughs> voice to save my life. But if you think of me saying that in his voice, um, and just letting rip, I, I could, I could get it. But I hope he just, you know, stays above the, the swamp, uh, so to speak. All right. So, we were with you, Ken. Let's go to your topic. The trend is your friend. Talk about it. And uh, what, do you, what do you want? Yeah,
2: to say? well, I was thinking say? about, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was a topic uh, where Paul was managing somebody and he told him that, that Paul said that, you know, the trend is your friend. So meaning that if you're going to, I think, do a certain kind of music at that time period, you want to go with whatever's trending at the time. Um, so I was thinking, okay, yeah, well, yeah, Kiss did that quite a bit throughout, <laughs> throughout the years. And then there was, there are things about, you know, no, ACDC never did it, you know, that, that sort of thing. And they're kind of one of the few that didn't really, uh, follow a trend. Um, uh, but I was thinking, well, okay, what are some of the major trends that Kiss did or didn't do? And I don't think their first album was really a trend. Um, I can't I can't pick a trend that they were trying to go at. I think they were just all their influences were kind of mixed on that album. Uh, but definitely Hotter Than Hell, you had maybe more like a Black Sabbath type thing, maybe a trend a little bit of that in there. Um, and you know, Just to Kill was kind of again that one doesn't seem like a trend. It was just trying to go more be more radio friendly there. Um,
0: well it was trendy wouldn't you but, say because it was bubblegum you know and, and it was, yeah yeah trending, it was, it was Neil's trend
2: trends. yeah well it was less bubblegum than unmasked I mean for instance that was real trendy uh now now mark's favorite uh destroyer uh, I thought they were trending it was a bob Ezrin trend uh, which is I also think is is it was a trend like billion dollar babies It had that same sound. Those albums have a lot of the same sound, guitar sounds, and and so on, so that was a trend there. Uh, over, I don't think it was a trend. I do not think that was a trend. I think that was just them rocking and being raw, at, like they wanted to be in the first place. Um, so that was some of them. I, I don't want to go through all of them. I mean, there's a lot more, obviously, throughout the years, but it kind of <laughs> Made me think about yeah they did a lot about their career or maybe more than half their career they they followed all the trends so I don't know if it's right or wrong but that's what happened
0: Lonnie is the trend your friend oh it was definitely <laughs> it was definitely Kiss's friend. I mean and Ken went
3: through some of the seventies albums but if you look at the eighties with what they did with Crazy Nights and mm-hmm. really follow, a following a a poison Don Jovi type of, of feel in that era with what they did with Carnival Souls is obviously a trend with following the grunge with, you know, people can say that revenge was kind of, was, was a trend too, with getting back to more of a metal sound with what was popular with, with Metallica and things like that at the time. And dynasty with Paul said, Oh, this is easy the ride to write a hit. Say, you talked to Paul talked about, mm-hmm. Writing, um, I was made for loving you, and how easy it was going to be. Following the trend there with disco, so yeah, I think Kiss definitely said, "Trend, the trend is your friend." And, you know, to each their own. Everybody has their own tastes and albums that they like, and albums that are their favorites but, versus albums that they don't like. So,
2: but, you but if, you're gonna make, if you're going to
3: if you're going to make it, you know, you have to go with what's trendy. I mean, don't have to, like you said, ACDC
2: yeah, I, kept their sound
3: so, pretty true throughout. Probably.
2: So, uh, is it possible though that maybe they didn't, if they didn't follow a trend, would they have, you know, been uh, left you know, in the dust? The, the dust would have been better for for sticking it out and well, and using, trying to create their own uh, but the trend thing is, or style.
1: The problem is though with Kiss is that once they realized that they were not on the top of the heap anymore and that there were other bands that have passed them, like bands that had opened for them prior, had now gotten above them now, that's when they started, you know, real thinking to themselves that they had to start following trends. That was the only time I thought that they did, like the Crazy Nights times, you know, even Revenge when they had that, in that book I read where they said that they had like this guy going around and trying to poll the audiences what they would like to hear from Kiss, and like they were really trying to, You know gauge what the audience would want from KISS because you know at that point they were uncertain of what to do and that's when you start following trends that that's the one main difference I've always seen with KISS is that when they were in the 70s and they were kind of doing their own thing or their own ish thing right Um, that they were very confident in their direction then and as soon as things started going awry for them then they started getting a little uncertain of themselves, and then they started, yeah, and then they started following things, you know, yeah. and then that's when it starts all going awry because that to me kind of shows that you're not, you don't have confidence in your direction and your songwriting, you know. I mean, that's we keep bringing up ACDC, but that's a great example of it because they know how to write their music. They only know how to seem to write one style of music, but they're good at it, so they stick with it, and right. their fans love it. They don't want to hear any kind of, you know more commercial thing or more progressive thing or more heavier thing. They want ACDC stuff. It's the same thing with Iron Maiden now. When Iron Maiden releases a record now, you know what you're getting. You're getting eight-minute-long songs. You have choruses that are repeating one line four times in a row. It's just their formula is set. But Iron Maiden fans wouldn't want it any other way. You know what I mean? So they've kind of etched their sound And that's kind of the thing that Kiss had trouble with in the 80s. They didn't just say, you know what, this is Kiss, this is what we're about, and we're just sticking with
0: it. Yeah, I think, you know, ACDC obviously hasn't done a (laughs) ballad since their first album, Love Song. You know, which, which I absolutely love because it's the only kind of AC/DC song that's completely different from any other AC/DC song. Um, but I think you know Paul's talking about what was working for him in 1989-ish. I think uh, Benny Doro was uh, who he told this to, uh, mm-hmm. and I can't even remember that's the right. name of the band he was associated with. Sorry, Benny. Um, but by the late 80s, the trend was Paul Stanley's friend because they were following one trend after another after another, stri- trying to stay current, trying to, you know, pull attention off those bands that were, you know, doing it. You know, if you can't be an innovator, then be hype. If you can't be a hype, follow a trend. I mean, you're just getting on the bandwagon, and mm-hmm. it was working for Kiss. You know, they, after the Elder, which was following a trend in. You know, Bob Ezrin's concept albums or Destroyer, which was following a trend, as I think Mark said rightly, about it just was a carbon copy of a model that Bob had used with Alice Cooper successfully. Um, by the mid 80s, you know, 82, well, 82. Creatures is, again, following a trend. The the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, the kind of Saxon, the Iron Maiden albums, the heavy through and through, a Motley Crue album in in some sense. You know, Lick It Up was then, you know, slightly more polished version of that more melodic rock. You know, like the Night Rangers. I mean, just think of Night Ranger Mm. opening act on Creases of the Night Tour, then on Lick It Up, they're doing more melodic I mean, you can rock in America, you know, listen to that first Night Rager album. It's fucking brilliant. It's a great album. You know, no wonder some of that rubbed off. Why would they copy Wendy O. Williams, who had also opened up when, you know, she'd basically used their stuff. So, you know, 85, they're doing the glam thing, copying. You know, the Rats had done it, you know, 83, and Motley did it at the same time. But, uh, you know, again, the trend, I guess, from that perspective is your friend in that it may not um, rocket you to the the high atmosphere of success, but it's certainly good in terms of attaining a reasonable level of success um, from which to make a living. So that's what I get, you know, as far as KISS being a trend follower i think that they've unabashedly done anything it takes to go 45 50 years and you know 74 they were the hype of 74 so there was no trend for them to hop on um at that point Uh, and that's probably why i love that album so much same with rock and roll over (laughs) you know being the reactions that they were to what they were doing they weren't chasing trends at that point but in the 80s that's when i became a fan. And those albums are always going to be critically important to me, more so than maybe an originals fan who got to follow them sequentially and get tortured by that after, you know. (laughs) Imagine being a guy who bought Alive, Dressed to Kill, and the joy of all that, and then having Asylum, Crazy Nights, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of dross that came later. So that's the sentiment that I get out of that.
1: But, you know, also the other thing you have to keep in mind, too, is as you get into the 80s and later in the 90s, the time period between recording a record and then a record company releasing it got larger and larger. Back in the 70s, you could re- record a record three months later; it could be released. You know, in the 80s and 90s, you record a record. You know, sometimes you have to wait nine, ten months before it comes out. So that trend that you're following has already been long done by the time your record comes out. Mm-hmm. So the trend that you followed was kind of pointless at that it's time. Over. Yeah, so that's why it's almost like better not sometimes to follow the trend, because unless you can foresee a trend like, happening, then, you know, you're going to be screwed, right? Yeah,
2: like wrench, gr- like or Carnival Souls. Carnival, Carnival Souls is a great
0: example. It came out years too late. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. or Revenge, for that matter. Mm-hmm. If you think of how beautifully crafted it is it is as an album and what they got out of it in terms of its performance. Um you know, completely, and obviously that was out of their hands with what happened mm-hmm. to Eric and the deliberate delay. So, you mm-hmm. know, um, I said I was going to give away this copy of Classic Rock. So, to enter, as always, just email k- email kissfaq at outlook dot com, and all you got to do is put in the that message Lonnie's favorite song from Sonic Boom. And uh, you'll be entered into a random drawing to win that, and uh, it's open <laughs> to anyone worldwide. So if you've not managed to get a used copy of that, uh, just enter that contest. Why don't we go into one final topic for today from this uh, this group of, of topics from the board. And I like this one. It jumped out at me. So uh, when you think of the quintessential demon song, do you automatically think evil like god of thunder almost <clears throat> human or do you go to i get all the ladies route with stuff like calling dr love or ladies room solani quintessential demon song are you dirty or are you dirt or are you evil mm,
3: <laughs> mm, mm. <sighs> quintessential jane song i always go the god of thunder war machine route when i th- you know when i when i think of jane i think of the demon and I think of the blood spewing, fire breathing demon. So I always go to the war machine, God of Thunder, almost human. I'm an animal, even type of route. Unholy. Those are those are my quintessential Gene songs for sure.
0: Nice, Mark. How about you? I mean, I mean, I know you go throw on a copy of Destroyer, but
3: All right, he goes and turns <laughs> on um, Sweet Pain.
0: <laughs>
1: well, see.
2: For the longest
1: time, I used to always think when I thought Gene Simmons, I used to always think Unholy because I thought to me that was one of his perfect songs that was written for him. But when I think nowadays of Gene Simmons, I think of it more from a complete songwriting aspect where, you know, he did Unholy with Vinny, right? So that's kind of a joint effort. To me, quintessential. Gene Simmons is calling Doctor Love. It's a completely written song by himself. He's only credited himself in writing it. And it has Gene Simmons written all over it lyrically the song. And it has by far the best ace guitar solo ever. So to me, this is a no brainer for me. I think calling Doctor Love is the quintessential Gene song.
0: Oh, that's contrary. Unsurprising. How about you,
2: Kev? Yeah, well, I have to agree with Mark. Uh, Calling Dr. Love was the first Kiss song that I really, really got me hooked at the beginning. I I really love that song. Um, And when I got uh, Alive 2, I I would play that thing over and over again. (laughs) Um, So, so again, and like Mark said too, that is like one of ace's greatest solos i have to agree it is is you know just one of the tastiest kind of licks and, and melodies that he he's done in that in in a solo um it just works so well in the song so yeah the calling dr love i mean otherwise uh yes war machine is another big one for me and and uh and unholy um but yeah, "Clown Doctor Love" was the really first one for me uh, that I I'd identified Gene with that song.
0: Wow,
1: that's right. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah,
2: Take
0: I, that. I, I go the ev- I go the evil route. When nice I, when I think Gene, and I always think cook. You know, his Cookie Monster vocals have to be present as well. Mm. Uh, you know, no problem singing <laughs> aloud. But you know, I think for me, it's I, I don't see almost human as much, but God of, God of thunder, God of thunder mm-hmm. for me
2: yeah.
0: is, is it, you know, as and and to me that's an equal of unholy. Unholy is probably number two in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the video as well. It was just so mm-hmm. freaking evil, um, even mm-hmm. at that age yeah. and in that era where you know we started to get a lot more dangerous stuff in terms of music and what was going on. But that was a badass video. To this day, I just wish they'd done a video for hate, because I. Mm that would that would have yeah. that would have uh, you know one up unholy without a doubt but you know give me evil gene you know forget ladies man gene because that just makes me kind of giggle um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but there you go <laughs> All right, I think we'll leave that there this week. That's just a bunch of topics on the board. There's a lot more where those came from, obviously. It's just more fun to kind of to do. This is the KISS FAQ podcast. Let's go to the KISS FAQ and uh, give our take on what people are talking about there. Um, I've had to ban 14 people this week. So wow. It's,
2: wow. wow. It's only Thursday. Oh. Naughty people. There's some
0: banty people out there. Yeah. <laughs> the the banhammer has been moist this week, so. <laughs> <laughs> moist. Yeah, and, uh, Oiled it well. Well, that, that mail call in the middle of the show is, uh. Apparently, I have ordered too many copies of Kiss World, and that's a, a second <laughs> copy of the yellow vinyl one. So I think we'll give one away on the next episode, because I don't need. Very you know, nice. I obviously misordered. I meant to get the black one. So, uh, all right. That's it for now. So uh, from myself, from Lonnie, from Mark, from Ken, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. And don't forget to enter that contest and win a free copy of Classic Rock with Mark's favorite album on the cover. <laughs> Bye for now.